Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast of Word First Ministries. Tune in each week and join us as we pursue God's command to make disciples of all nations. What is up, you guys? Welcome to Word First Radio, the podcast brought to you by Word First Ministries. I am your host, Jacob O'Neill. And as always, I'm joined by my friends, Cameron and Bailey. Yep. Hey, Bailey, praise him. Of course. God Almighty, we just ask that today you would help us and anyone joining us in this conversation to um, to learn how we can show you to the world and represent you and um, teach about you and the knowledge of you to others in ways that are tangible and actually understandable um, to their eyes and ears. Um, so Lord, not just with our words, but with our actions, we pray that you would give us guidance and insight into how we can do that. Lord, we love you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, so, uh, in light of uh, pretty recent uh, social events uh, in the country where we came from, one of the things that we like to talk wanted to talk about um, that had to do with this whole sense of missional community and just our vision for the church and um, how it should relate to its community. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to talk about that, especially in lights of uh, really highly contentious social issues that are mm-hmm. going on, not just in our country, but also they impact uh, some politics here in Norway as yeah. well, which we are by my, no means no expert on politics <laughs> in Norway. Yeah, that's fair to say. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, so some of these examples are like, so Roe v. Wade has been uh-huh. in the news constantly since mm-hmm. the uh, leaked article that Politico published mm-hmm. that um, Roe might be overturned by the Supreme Court. Um, we know gun control is now uh, is a, has been a very hot button issue, but mm-hmm. is now uh, back at the forefront of public mm-hmm. conversation in the country we came from yeah. um, in response to a horrible tragedy mm-hmm. um, of a, a, a school shooting. And so uh, there's this perception that I've been hearing a lot on social media mm-hmm. that I hear when I evangelize that I've heard basically my whole life. Um, that basically has to do with this tension that Christians are apathetic or don't really care about social issues that yeah. impact the here and now. Mm-hmm. All you guys care about is um, where people are going to go when they die. All you care about is about your agenda and making people agree with you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so some of the popular criticism we've heard is like, well, when a shooting happens, uh, you all you Christians just tweet thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just dismiss it, but you don't actually impact or seek to cause real positive social impact yeah. mm-hmm. or with like the pro-life pro-choice debate like you're only pro-life when it's inside the womb and then when it's born like you don't care about the quality of life and you don't care really about helping people yeah so that's kind of a tension that exists um i just threw some heavy stuff on the table mm-hmm. why don't we unpack do you guys have any thoughts on at least some of those things that i've said so far yeah i've got lots of thoughts about yeah. about all of it and there's lots of thoughts that are all they're all messy and and right. and tangly, but um, but yeah, I think I have a lot of things. I don't I don't know how valuable they are, but I've got a lot that I would well. That if, I let's think just start I with say about. That. Have you? Am I crazy? Like, have you guys heard that too? Like yeah. on social yeah, media or from people? And yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, lots of outrage over you know people merely merely expressing thoughts and prayers or something. Right? There's this terrible tragedy, mm-hmm. like un- unimaginable unspeakable tragedy the kind of the one of the worst things we can imagine and so then people express sympathy um and willingness to willingness to petition god almighty about mm-hmm. how, how terrible this is and then there's 
there's pushback, right? There's pushback right. about, okay, enough of your stupid thoughts and prayers. Or I shouldn't say that. That may, makes it sound uncharitable. But like your thoughts and prayers aren't accomplishing anything because this mm-hmm. happened again. So I'm really less, I'm way less interested in what the, what's in your thoughts and way more interested with what are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen a lot of that kind of sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would agree. I think like, I imagine we want to talk about thoughts and prayers a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll just let you, <laughs> yeah, I've got thoughts permission. and prayers thoughts. Yeah, sure. Well, so yeah, we can definitely dive into that. I yeah. just for, I first wanted to see if I was insane and if yeah. I was the I only mean, one yeah. noticing that. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. But yeah, I have noticed that. So like, uh, I think that there are, um, I think there's two sides to that coin, right? Mm-hmm. So I think genuinely, um, you can express genuine, like my thoughts and my prayers are for mm-hmm. the victims of this tragedy, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can insert um, any kind of tragedy, like, mm-hmm. you know, into it. Like uh, how many times have we seen like some kind of attack or some kind of shooting or some mm-hmm. kind of um, like police brutality instances and people just tweet thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a sense in where it's super genuine and sincere and where it's like, yes, my prayers are with the families or then the victims mm-hmm. and, um, and with the police and the politicians to figure out a solution. And then there's also a side of it that I think is a little legit, is legitimate, mm-hmm. a legitimate mm-hmm. criticism where it's like, well, listen, if you are not involved in social action in actually, um, making life better and actually physically responding instead of just praying Mm -hmm. to this tragedy, to this injustice, Mm -hmm. then um, your thoughts and prayers don't mean jack to the victims or the family. So those are kind of the two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. I know you have tons of thoughts about it. How about you just uh, give give some of those? I'll I'll start, oh gosh, I'll start where I think I should start. Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be difficult not to make this conversation political, but please trust that if it starts to veer that way, this is not a political conversation right. at all. Mm. But I'll say, that in, insofar as it is political, here's what I think is close to the root of the problem. And that is, whatever your perspective is, across the whole breadth of the, the political spectrum, I think that a mistake that Christians make is our political perspective is at the bottom of our worldview. Mm. And so we mm. view everything through that. That's good. So it's like the, those are the glasses I put on, and now I interpret the whole world through that. And so people who would consider themselves politically conservative, and people who consider themselves politically progressive, or uh, someone like me who just who who rejects all of that, right? <laughs> wherever you land, whatever your political um, commitments are, like we let that be at the bottom of the way that we analyze the world, mm. and you see that show up in politically charged things. And, and this is among them. So you have our, uh, people who'd consider themselves, um, progressive or liberal or whatever. I want to be careful with labels because the labels just right. don't matter at all. But right. you have them saying, listen, you people who claim to be Christians, Jesus has a lot to say about taking care of people. And we could have some more rules that we could have some more rules that would take care of this problem and our children would stop being slaughtered and you don't care about that. So if you don't care about that, I don't care about your thoughts and prayers. There's a sense in which that's fair, but there's also a sense in which that's completely unfair mm-hmm. because there's nobody who says, you know, what's going to solve this problem, thoughts and prayers, right? That person, right. that person doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. The 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 reason that that sounds, in my opinion, the reason that sounds so preposterous is it's an implication or a consequence of the political system that Americans live under, which is 
when a horrific tragedy like this happens, the individual person there's has nothing that he can do about it. Mm-hmm. The only way that personally I can be involved is by telling you is by keeping you in my thoughts, remembering to pray for you, hoping that, hoping that you have that those affected by by um, by this horrible tragedy know that I'm praying for their comfort and by asking God Almighty to supply them with comfort in this time of mm-hmm. unimaginable distress and sadness and awfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's nothing else that I can do, right? Except that and then my commitment to being a peaceful person and not doing any of these terrible things. But as long as I am not uh, being a mass murderer, like I've got mm-hmm. that covered, the rest of what I can do for you is I, I can pray for you. There's nothing left for me to do. Um, then I think the the other side is there are people who are asking for us, there should be more rules about the kinds of weapons you can get because then we could avoid these kinds of tragedies. And I think that people who would consider themselves more politically conservative would look at that as just another, uh, we, you hear those people saying things like, when Cain killed Abel, God didn't curse the rock, right? <laughs> God yeah. cursed Cain, and it's a yeah. problem with the human heart. And so none of these rules, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. There's a sense in which that's absolutely true and fair. Mm-hmm. That the, And that, I mean, the core of the problem is the wickedness of the human heart. But there's another sense in which that's totally unfair because your liberal and progressive friends, they don't care about the toys and the goodies you have in your house. They care about children being massacred. But like what, so the, 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 to think that it's about the weapons you have in your household is really just to stare at the, we've used that, that metaphor a lot of times when you point, we point for your dog and they just stare at the tip of your finger. It's to stare at the tip of the finger and realize, no, 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 what's breaking these people's hearts is the violence and, terribleness and awfulness that's enacted on children and what looks to be like it looks it looks like at least from their perspective it looks like a pretty simple problem to at least take a big bite out of Mm -hmm. and it looks like you're being unreasonably obstinate because you'd like to have because whatever you have a a fetish about owning certain certain kinds of equipment um that's not fair like right sure (laughs) that's that's not fair so what happens so the the reason i say any of that of Mm -hmm. course is to not be political i've tried to be honest and obvious without it being a political conversation. No, I think but the point good. is that pick your place on the on the spectrum of political perspective. We put our political glasses on first and then that's how we see ourselves and how we see each other. Yeah. And it makes us say and do ridiculous things and and at no point are we having a productive conversation. So what that ends up doing, so that's like step one, is we put our political glasses on first. That's what's at the bottom. That's what's informing the rest of the, which, <laughs> like that's our worldview, which is bad. Yeah. Right? If your politics is the foundation of your worldview, that's bad. But I'll, let me say one, one last mm-hmm. thing. So then the next thing that we do is we, um, is we have, we make pro-social gestures in order to, uh, in order to signal to our team which team we're on, and then that ends up looking more and more and more ridiculous because the because the more ridiculous those gestures are, the more ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, we are in our hey I'm on team whatever I'm on team good guy, I'm on team good guy. Uh, so our gestures end up being screaming at other people for being on team bad guy, and then believing and saying more and more ridiculous things because that gives us more in group. Um, it gives us more purchase with our mm-hmm. with our desired in group. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know the a root of all kinds of evil is a love of money and a root of another kind of like another root of all kinds of evil is letting 
is letting the foundation of your worldview be your politics. Mm. And I think that the consequence is that's just one of politics now is just one of the worst things that humanity does. It's awful. It, it causes us, it causes hate and division. Like we're, we can't even look at the world and honestly say, look, we all want the same kinds of things. Like nobody mm. wants the kids getting shot at school. Nobody wants that. Um, but we can't even agree with each other about that because we say, Bailey, if you wanted the kids not to get shot at school, then you'd be in favor of arming all of the teachers and personnel. And you look at me and go, no, if you mm. wanted the kids not to get shot at school, you'd be in favor of passing these common sense laws that would get the ha- guns out of the hands of the crazy, mm. out of the crazies. And at neither point are we actually talking about the actual subject. What we're talking about is, um, we're talking about the fingertips, right? We're talking mm, about right. the fingertips. And so I think that that's a giant mistake about putting our, about, I'll say one more time, putting our politics at the foundation of our worldview when what should be at the foundation of your worldview. And in, in fact is, truthfully, the foundation of everyone's worldview is, is theological, whether or not mm-hmm. God exists. But should be at the, what should be at the, f- the fundamental part of our worldview um, should be the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then everything mm-hmm. should flow out of that. That should help us to understand how as Christians should we respond in this tragedy. Is tweeting thoughts and prayers a good or a bad thing? I'm going to reserve judgment about that now and not tell you whether I think that's a good or a bad thing. But, if the gospel is the foundation of your worldview, that will inform the, that will direct your social media practices in the light of terrible tragedies. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can stop and ask, what is it that I'm doing and what am I accomplishing with that? And by the way, that should be, if the gospel is the foundation of our, our worldview, it will inform all of the things we do, not just our social media practices, but how we care for our children, how we spend our money, how we, how we, whatever, everything. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I told you I had a lot to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. I gobbled up way too much time, but I think that... <laughs> that was like guys, a yeah. summary of the whole episode. <laughs> oh, okay. did, I, did I get everything in there? Almost. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Can I, um, Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead yeah. Bailey. <laughs> um, so, to kind of pick up off the, like, you're saying the lens we ought to view everything through yeah. first is um, the gospel. Right. So, like, to pick up from there... Um, I want to like look at the Christian perspective mm-hmm. and the non-Christian perspective with yeah. regards to per- mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think for, so for a Christian, like when I'm at church and I see one of my brothers or sisters there and like, if my brother Tomeskin walks up to me and says like, Hey man, um, I've been praying for you and mm-hmm. like just whatever situation you're going through in life, mm-hmm. that's like way different Oh yeah, of course. um, Like essentially he could just walk up and say like, Hey, I hope you know my thoughts and prayers are with you, Mm -hmm. but that would still communicate something way different to me, to my ears um, than to a Mm non-Christian just reading, witnessing on Twitter or any social media. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone saying thoughts and prayers to a post, especially about like um, tragic, huge public events. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think like the Christian, I don't know, just in that situation, like we need to realize that we can't um, expect non-Christians to see through, see the world through our same yeah, of course. worldview. Yeah. Um, so when they read thoughts and prayers on those posts, like we have to understand mm-hmm. that they're, they don't sense the connection that we yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, We're and, wearing yellow glasses. They're yeah. wearing pink yeah. glasses. I'm like, yeah. everything's colored yellow in here. And right. they're like, yeah. it's, it's not. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, well, and I think you're a thousand percent right. Mm-hmm. And that should factor into our conduct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that yeah. should, that should, we should ask ourselves so far as I'm, as I'm tweeting out thoughts and prayers, mm-hmm. 
I should understand how it's being received and that should or how it would be received and that should inform whether or not or how I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other thing I was going to add was the um, you mentioned Jake like evangelism or getting people saved or getting people to think what Christians think. Yeah. Is like seems to be what Christians are all about in the world. Yeah. And I would just say like the same is true for that but like a thousand times more like for Christians obviously. It really is true. The most important thing in our eyes is to get this good news out to the world mm-hmm. and for people to come to salvation. Um, but we can't, like, if that's mm-hmm. the only thing we come to the table with, if we're like, hey, non-Christian, you need to get saved, then that's exactly what they're going to feel like is mm-hmm. you just want me to believe what you believe and what you believe is nonsense to my mind currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we, uh, basically, like, we need to find a middle ground that they can actually understand what we're trying to say to them. Because mm-hmm. if we are like, hey, if I tell you this good news, then I'm I'm loving on you. And mm-hmm. like this is, a, this is a really loving action of me to like tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Like to them, obviously that doesn't calculate that way at all. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, yeah. But if I find the middle ground where I can communicate that I love them and am in life with them um, in a way that they understand, then I actually have a grounds right. from which to communicate the gospel. Yeah. Imagine if, I mean, imagine if that was your definition of a loving relationship. It's like, what I'm going to do is try and change you from the core. Mm. Doesn't that feel like love? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. People could smell that. It's, of course. It's, yeah. it's, and, and, uh, as they're looking at the world with their pink glasses, like, I'll play advocates like in a really extreme way yeah. it's like you know well when you are the ones like tweeting your thoughts and prayers that's like you standing in front of a, a beggar who's like starving and you're mm-hmm. like hey thoughts and prayers yeah, of course yeah, yeah. it's like it's you standing at the gates of that school that mm-hmm. was attacked yeah. and going thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. like yes and so it's uh it's kind of like this this whole sense mm. to kind of get back just to frame the discussion a little more, mm. but those are great insights yeah. and I want to flesh more of them out especially, yeah. but it's kind of like just to kind of get it off like the super, <laughs> the super tragic stuff to yeah. different tragic stuff. It's like our scientists are saying the climate is dying mm. like, and mm. you Christians don't care. Right. Or there are people starving like mm. who are poor and oppressed by the government and you Christians just don't care. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so uh, the reason one of the ways that um, this relates to our ministry here in Norway was the second time we went to Bergen in 2020, uh, we were evangelizing, uh, me and uh, a Norwegian uh, woman was uh, evangelizing with me uh, to a college student. And we were going through the survey. And at the end of the survey, there's a question that says, do you have any questions for us? Mm-hmm. Every single time, it's normally something about like the problem of evil, mm-hmm. which we've talked about recently. Um, it's uh, normally some kind of theological question or theological issue that we talked about somewhere in the discussion. But this gentleman asked us, what are you guys doing to make the world a better place? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, my answer was uh, share the gospel with people because <laughs> that's what I answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, uh, which isn't wrong, but mm-hmm. uh, but her answer was, oh, I'm an environmentalist mm-hmm. and I uh, help uh, clean up the environment, uh, help uh, reach out to the oppressed and I we serve food to the homeless. And she gave all these social examples yep. of how she makes the world yep. a better mm-hmm. place, which were amazing. And she told me afterwards, she said, the reason I answered like that is because in Norway, this is, these are her words, not mine. Mm. As a Norwegian, she said that there's a, 
stereotype or a prejudice in Norway that all you Christians care about is um, making people think the way you do mm-hmm. and you don't care about social issues. Yeah. So certainly relevant to our context. Um, and we've kind of answered the question uh, broadly, but now let's give some kind of like philosophical, like uh, theological analysis of it. There mm-hmm. you go. Which are, yeah, uh, which are big isms and words that I try to avoid but almost can't. Um, should Christians be concerned about social issues and the impact that they have on life here and now? Not just worrying about, well, all that really matters is that I'm going to heaven when I die and I mm. want you to go to heaven when you die. Like, should Christians be concerned about social mm. issues for the here and now? Mm. Who wants I, to answer that? I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, maybe yeah. not obviously, yes, mm-hmm. but not for their own sake. Mm. So I think this... I think this goes, I think this is also a, um, the reason this is confusing is also a result of us putting politics at the bottom of our, uh, at the bottom of our worldview. Mm-hmm. So when the, we'll call her your friend, the young lady that you were evangelizing with when she said, well, here are all the social issues that I care about because that's what would satisfy, um, the skeptic that you were talking to. That's because the skeptic has a certain worldview where that's the stuff that's important. Mm. And you are saying, and you're going, no, 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 I'm, I'm out here distributing, the antidote for death mm-hmm. what could be more important than that and and uh, the skeptic is going well like clean water and stuff mm-hmm. and like how how could you see like that this is death is such a massive problem and the solution is so big how can anything even be in your view like mm-hmm. how can how can your right. field of view have room for anything else and they and, but their perspective is you just want me to join like you want me to join your club i'm not interested what are the actual good things you're doing right so that that thing I, mm-hmm. We want me to join your club as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What are the actual good things that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the question is, should we be involved with, should we be um, interested in social things? Yes, of course. We'll talk more about that. But we have to be careful to reject that premise mm-hmm. that the that the multiplication of the gospel is a bad thing and that we therefore have to pro- prove our bona fides by explaining the social things that we're doing in the world mm-hmm. as though fixing this world is the point. Mm-hmm. Sure. Fixing this world is not the point. However, it is a means of sharing the the mercy, love, and grace of God. And God, by the way, has um God has a definite opinion about how his people care for the world and other people in it. Mm-hmm. Like he has a he has a definite opinion about yeah. that. And and very stark judgment when his people fail to carry out justice, right? We talk, or I talk often, we talk about Micah 6, 8, right? Mm-hmm. To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. Right. It's mm-hmm. like, that's the point. When God says, "What do, I told you what I want. And the first mm-hmm. thing is do justice or act justly. Yeah. What's interesting about that verse is uh, I've learned, not recently, but like a year ago, um, the justice says, speaking of, mm-hmm. um, so there's two kinds of justice that the Bible talks about is retributive justice. So like punishment mm-hmm. for sin and restorative justice, yeah. making a, making a community better, uh, reaching out to people who have been oppressed, um, uh, socially. Mm-hmm. And the justice that's talking about in Micah 6, 8 is most likely restorative justice. Mm-hmm. Reach out to people who are oppressed. Right. And I feel like, yeah, the point yeah, is not like, go punish the sinners. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Do, Do justice. justice. Make sure they get what's coming to them. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Uh, like reach out to the oppressed, help people socially. And I feel mm-hmm. like this is another way that issues like this get looked at through a, a hyper political lens right. where they look like they think about 
how Jesus was concerned with social justice mm-hmm. and how God is concerned about social yep. justice and what they think and what people hear these days is political action of right. social justice. Jesus, how many take a shot every time you hear it, right? Yeah. Of um, grape juice. Uh, that Jesus was a socialist, yeah. right? And and or he, Jesus was a person of color, immigrant. Uh, what was the one I heard? I heard the other day, asexual, aromantic. Sure. Uh, whatever. But yeah. the, the point is, the, we can make fun of it, I guess. But the point is, like, you just paint Jesus with your political brush and say, see, yeah. he was a champion of my team. I'm mm-hmm. on team good guy. But I, 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 my point in bringing that up was yeah. not to uh, talk about all those issues, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, they could be their own episode yeah. in themselves. But that, if you look at it through that lens, you could mistakenly think the answer to the world's problems to make uh, the, the, that God's prescription for mm. social issues is a political one. Right, exactly. to, like you have to do political action. Like you know what will solve the problems if I elect the right people into right. office. Well, that's so the the yeah. reason right when, when people say Jesus was a socialist or Jesus was whatever. It, pick one. <laughs> pick, yeah. pick your everybody who has a political perspective. You can paint Jesus with your brush. And the the point of saying that is that if you really love Jesus, then you would agree with my political perspective and you would support my. Uh, you would support my political, not even platform, but mm-hmm. you would do the various political things that I think need doing, right? So you would be in favor of m- more or fewer gun regulations or mm-hmm. something like that, right? right? So, this, so that's, that's the whole... You, you'd be in favor of, um, a high, especially in the country we come from, mm-hmm. higher social safety nets, right. you'd, you know, high levels of socialization right. where we come yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Higher tax. You would be in favor of rich people paying their fair share, but you're greedy, and so you're not. And they yeah. give you as a political... Um, uh, political solution, yeah. and they say if you took Jesus seriously, you'd agree with his political thing. And I think what we miss out about Jesus was he had ev- he had every opportunity to be a political figure, mm-hmm. and he just wasn't. Yeah, I mean, we. I was going to apologize. Say sorry. He just wasn't. I mean, if you, yeah, he just wasn't. He wasn't. If you want to cast Jesus as a political figure, yeah, he made problems for people who were politically in charge, and he definitely spoke truth to power, mm-hmm. but he specifically did not arrive with a political solution. Jesus' whole point was mm-hmm. the solution is not to be found in human institutions. <laughs> like, like God was saying, don't stand. So in the Old Testament, God's saying, don't stand up human institutions. Just follow me. Let me be your king and follow me. And people said, we want human institutions. And God would go, okay, I'm warning you. It's going to be really awful. Mm-hmm. Like you definitely don't want people to right. be in charge of this stuff because you guys, <laughs> you have troubles, right? Do you, and then we continue to, to set up these human institutions. And then we look to them as though they're going to save us. And Jesus himself shows up and goes, here's what political institutions do. They murder the son of God, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the religious elite and the political elite, they both had to conspire. They both had to be in on it. If just the Pharisees wanted Jesus dead, they couldn't really have done it. And if just the, the Roman elite wanted Jesus dead, I guess they could have, but there would have been an uproar among the Jewish people. And they're trying to maintain some semblance of peace Mm -hmm. there in order for, in order for the God of the universe to be executed by men, which is like, the perfect expression of our the, our absolute wickedness. In order for that to happen, all the human institutions had to gang up and make it happen. So, so I told you I had a lot to say about this. <laughs> well, here's uh, something I want to throw in your guys' yeah. laps. So, obviously, um, when we look at Jesus's ministry, I want to throw this in Bailey's arms first. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at Jesus's ministry, he does have a lot to say about the oppressed, yes. about the poor, 
about um, the people who are marginalized mm-hmm. in society. So um, we've talked we've talked a lot about how um, when people look for the solutions and political answers, mm-hmm. that's not a great place to look right. for the reasons that we've given. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so, what is the answer? Like, what what Jesus has a lot to say about reaching out to the marginalized and the poor. Mm-hmm. As what um, uh, generally speaking, I'm not talking super practically, but mm. more like in concept. What what is the prescription, and uh, how about you unpack some of those, and then any thoughts you've had on what we've said so far? Yeah. Um, so I'd start with. Uh, well, I'll use an example. Sure. Um, so living in America and Norway, um, I think America has a ton to learn from Norway about mm-hmm. um, how Norway cares for the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like Norway just as a nation is always welcoming to refugees and the oppressed and like just people who need help. Um, and it like for the nation itself is true. And then it leaks down into the culture and like mm. the individuals of the nation. Mm. Um, so like, um, I'll use Benta as an example. Mm. <laughs> um, cause Benta, um, lives alone, but she constantly has people mm-hmm. living in her house with her. Right. Um, like she's always housing people. Mm-hmm. And I think of just, um, I don't know, like I have a ton to learn from Benta. Mm. Um, because the way that um, we can actually make sense um, to eyes and ears of people who don't have our blue glasses on um, are those same things that they identify with. So like Norway sees that the world um, has refugees and people who are oppressed and need a place to um, run to for safety or even just for um, uh good living conditions. Um, and Benta joining in that work makes a lot more sense to the Norwegian ears than any, like any of our Christian stuff that we come to the table with in the first Mm -hmm. place, like the, Mm -hmm. um, evangelism for the sake of saving your soul. We, like we've said is not ever going to make sense to a person until they make that step of faith where all of a sudden all the Jesus stuff does make sense. Um, so I think just like the, um, social action and all of these things that the world recognizes as issues or like think of the, um, model of evangelism we've used. Mm-hmm. Um, we recognize that like starting at the Jesus. So first the world, um, God created the world. Mm-hmm. Second, we broke relationship with God. Mm-hmm. The world is filled with sin and the world is broken. Um, third, Jesus came down, uh, to die and rise again so that we could be restored to relationship with God Mm. back at the fourth place. Um, we've like talked about a lot how, um, probably the worst place to start that with a non-Christian is the third, uh, circle Mm. where we're talking about Jesus and Mm. his death and resurrection because it's the most just unbelievable. It sounds like nonsense. Yeah to anyone who doesn't already believe it Mm -hmm. because it requires this giant step of faith. And that's when we're at presenting the gospel. That's what we're asking them to make at the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But in circle two, like when we're talking about sin in a broken world, like we've recognized that that's a place where we can actually connect with Mm -hmm. people. And 
point out that we know there's something wrong. Like we have doctors to heal people. We have uh, police officers to um, police people, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, if we don't have any of those like little arrows. So obviously we Christians have the job of the big arrow. Like Mm -hmm. we need to connect people to that third circle and um, bring people to that step of faith that's required to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we don't have any participation in those little arrows that are trying to put band-aids in our eyes, um, yeah. because we see the mm-hmm. big problem as sin being solved by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't take part in the band-aiding the world, yeah. then we don't make any sense with what we're saying. And yeah. we like have no evidence for the love that we claim to have. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just if we don't have social action, at the same time as yeah. preaching the gospel, then we can't possibly like come across to a non-Christian as a credible source. Right. Yeah, and so it, it affects our witness and our mission. Yeah. And so I think the the prescription that we find in the New Testament if following Jesus's example is not to pursue political solutions or political band-aids mm-hmm. for the problems with the world and those little lines of all the way the world is broken and that there's injustice and violence and, and just tragedy. Um, not to find politi- political band-aids for those things, but to literally ourselves yeah. as individuals mm-hmm. and as a collection of individuals be the hands and yep. feet yeah. um, of Jesus into this world. I have a verse from the New Testament from Luke 4. Mm. It's one of Bailey's favorites, mm. but um, this is like... Uh, if you look at the way that the gospel of Luke is uh, constructed, this is the marking of Jesus's public ministry. Mm -hmm. Like this is when it begins Mm. and this is how it begins. It's in Luke chapter four. Jesus is speaking. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, Mm -hmm. recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So think about those things. Good news for the poor, uh, uh, proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of the sight to the blind, and setting oppressed people free. Mm -hmm. That sounds a lot like... um, some of the social issues today that mm-hmm. exist and some of the things that people try and submit political solutions yeah. for. But when you look at Jesus's ministry, he didn't do that. Yeah. What he did was himself go out and be the hands and feet to reach out to the margins, mm. reach out to the oppressed mm. and bring them comfort yes. and real healing not for its own sake, but to ultimately point them to the higher value and the right. higher ideal, which is the gospel. And so this kind of, uh, uh, I'll pass it to you just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you have a lot of thoughts and I want to hear them, I promise. Um, the last thing I'll say is that this ties into really kind of the point was that um, we're not not interested in people becoming saved and mm-hmm. having their hearts transformed by Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what we've, we've talked about on, I don't know how many episodes now. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason we're in Norway. We want to see people come to know Jesus and be yeah. saved, um, but not to the exclusion. And really that is the ultimate goal that is uh, supplemented or achieved also by our social witness, mm-hmm. by our, mm-hmm. uh, our action in seeking real healing and seeking real restoration in the world for to reach the end mm-hmm. of seeing people make commitments to Jesus, yeah. getting baptized and having a relationship with him. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so much to say there, Jacob, thank you for bringing all that up, but all those examples, read them again from Luke four. So restoring Luke sight four. to the blind, uh, 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 good news to the poor, yep. 
uh, freedom for the prisoners yep. and set the oppressed free. Yep. So all of those are have a fear, uh, physical and a spiritual component, right? Yeah. And each of those is, is like a small, there's a small physical example that gives us a taste of a spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus restores sight to the blind, he's physically causing blind people to be able to see the world again. But that's also a picture of what happens to our hearts. Uh, you know, like like uh, Paul says, it was like scales fell off of right. his eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and, the uh, the power of God to to express truth and to bring life is spoken of as as a capacity for light. So when you read light in the New Testament, it's talking about the bringing of life and the bringing of truth and being and so that's that's spiritual blindness. Or mm-hmm. when you're setting the captives free, that means that you, you that there's a physical reality of no longer being captive by some ruler, but also being no longer being ruled by sin and the chains of sin around your heart are broken, uh, are broken by God almighty. So Jesus never does these, never does these miracles just for their own sake. Although he, right. he does love and he does care mm. for people. I was talking with you guys. Remember our friend, Idik? I don't remember what number episode he was on, but he's the pastor at Mishon Chirka in Bilsen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was at his house and we were talking, he was, he was talking to me about how he was just reflecting that day. He was, I've just been meditating on, what it must have been like for the paralytic who was let down through the uh, through the roof of the of the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. What that experience, Peter's house, I'm pretty yeah, sure. What that experience must have been like. And he's like, I'm imagining myself on whatever homemade gurney it was that they made, and my friends with ropes lowering me, and I am paralyzed. There's nothing I can do. I'm totally passive. Mm-hmm. Because I'm imagining laying on my back, and then Jesus like uses him as an example about his power. But that that Jesus made like this is the perfect. This is the example where Jesus says, "This is what I'm doing." So he tells the man, "Your sins are forgiven." That's the first right. thing he does. And what's interesting is there's nothing that that paralyzed man could do. Like it's such. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a real life metaphor. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like it's a of metaphor, course. but not for Jesus because he can actually like he can mm-hmm. actually do the miracle. <laughs> but it's like there's nothing that he could have done. Um, himself to have gotten his sins forgiven. So Jesus does that first. Right. And then the Pharisees like, burr, 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 whatever, right? They're like that. He, what? Who's this guy? Who can they, forgive? Didn't, they say, who they can didn't forgive say grumble, sins? grumble, grumble. They're ready to drag him out of town and kill him for being a blasphemer. But he goes, oh yeah, what's, what's, which one's more difficult to forgive someone's sins or to tell them to stand up and walk. And then this guy has, his, so Jesus, like he does it backwards. Right? Yeah. He does that's it, what I was going to say. He does the whole thing in reverse mm-hmm. just to show us what it is that he's up to. So if we think that social action is the point where, we're missing we're wrong we're missing the point mm-hmm. but if we think that social action is optional then we're totally wrong also mm-hmm. all throughout the old testament god judges his people for not being socially active and the reason is not because social activity is what makes the world good but it's that if you know god then you care about his people like he does mm-hmm. and god almighty cares that we're taking care of the world mm-hmm. uh, i think some people get it backwards when they they um they talk about like the the mandate given to adam to have dominion and rule over the earth as though, and then, you know, the, 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 um, accusation is that certain, certain Christians and take that as, as license just to abuse the resources of the planet with no, with no care about what our environment is going to look like for future generations. Um, well, God isn't saying like abuse the resources and don't care about future generations. He's telling us to care for the world like a garden, like a, mm-hmm. like a gardener cares for a garden, like Jesus, like, or I'm sorry, like God almighty who is, well, you get it. I was going to try and make a statement about the Trinity. So as not to be a heretic, <laughs> but like God cares for creation. And it's like, if we know who God is, then you're going to treat people a certain way. And the fact that you don't is evidence that you don't know God. And that's worthy of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
gosh, I, I think I'll, I think I'll say just that. But anyways, the, the what the point I, I meant to make where I, where I had started with all of this was thank you, Luke, for making those points, and thank you, Jacob, for bringing up those points. But uh, Jesus is always giving us a picture of a spiritual reality, and that's why he tells us tells his church uh, he likens us to a shining city on a hill, mm-hmm. and says, "You be salt." And you be light. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Maybe not. You be salt and you be light and you be a shining city on a hill. That's like you, you're the city that people look to and it's full of light, which is life and truth. Right. And you're full of salt, which is goodness and which is, mm-hmm. which is moral preservation from yeah. rot. And Jesus says that he's brought the kingdom of God. So we call this inaugurated eschatology, which is <laughs> that Jesus has brought a, he's brought a down payment of the kingdom of God. He's, he's shown up and done some stuff that makes it, makes us able to make the earth a little bit more like heaven so that heaven is recognizable for, for people right. and desirable for people. So in contrast to, um, uh, to the way that this misconception or this mm-hmm. stereotype is often presented um, that we've been talking about and what the actual biblical prescription is from God is that Christians should not be considered the apathetic ones or the right. ones that mm-hmm. just care about their agenda. Christians should be the first people, like yeah. the first people that comes to mind when they're yeah. like, a tragedy happens or there's some social issue mm. or people are being oppressed. Christians should be on the front lines yes. for the healing. We are commanded by God mm. to be on the front lines of that healing, yeah. of that restoration to serve the end yeah. of getting the gospel out. Mm-hmm. And I, Well, I think, and let me say this. So I will just say, that I think that the mm-hmm. reputation that Christians have as though we're not doing that is unfair. I think mm. I think that Jesus also promises that the world's going to hate us. And so the world is not going to give the church credit for the work it's actually doing. But the truth is for the history of the church, the church has led and still continues to lead all of those charitable efforts. So the truth right. is where we look for justice. I mean, it was, it's the one example is it was Christians who led the charge for abolition of slavery? Yes, there were churches that there, there were churches in the South that that taught that the Bible justified slavery. That's mm-hmm. overblown. I mean, by by and large, they were they were uh, looked down upon by like all of the rest of the churches in the mm-hmm. world. Going, nope, you're getting it wrong. So when people say you can use the Bible to do anything, including justify slavery, slavery, no, you yeah. can't. <laughs> and that was a handful of turds that everyone else roundly yeah. regarded as wrong. And by the way, that was at a time when it was it really was a courageous thing to do to be in favor of abolition of slavery, right? You were one of the two, you're some of the 2% of people who are actually doing that. It's the, it's been the church that has led the charge. So even now Christians give way more money than anybody else in favor of all of these social issues and, and pick one, pick one and Christians are, Mm. are at the front of the line doing the work. So I think it's a mischaracterization and I think it is ignorance of reality to charge Christians with not being interested, but to the extent that it is that that opinion Christians aren't only interested in us joining their club and not in any of these social issues to the extent that that's true. I think it speaks. I I think that it's describing like Christians, Christian people, Christian individuals we actually know who don't really seem to be engaged. So the church in general is the forefront of all of those social things, but we can look at individual Christians we know who just seem apathetic or aren't interested in, in uh, greater social welfare or aren't giving money to charity or aren't whatever that seem mm-hmm. to be greedy, blah, 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 blah. But I think, you know, once again, I think mostly that boils down to people's 
political perspective and then wanting the other people to be on team bad guy and for me mm. to be on team good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? You've, you've heard the one, I, I don't care about being um, controversial with this, right? You've heard the one about how pro-life Christians are only interested. They're not pro-life, they're pro-birth, right? right? They're only, mm, they're yes, only they interested in, uh, in, in babies as long as they're unborn, but once they're born, they don't care. Mm. I'm just like, you, you just have to not know what reality yeah. is like to believe that. There's no, I, I know thousands of pro-life people in yes. the many churches I've been in. Uh, interestingly enough, not a single one of them take that position. Like, I'm only pro-birth. I don't care about the baby. None ever. What so that, Christians don't think. What that's that, saying yeah. is, you don't agree with my with my social agenda, with my political agenda. Mm-hmm. And if you if you if you cared about all of those people, you'd agree with my political agenda. And since you mm-hmm. don't, then you don't care about those people. So that's just a dumb inference, anyways. But yeah. nevertheless, I mean, just do the math. Look at so say what you want about about um, uh, the moral allowability or the moral permissibility of abortion, but you can't look at pro life people and say that they're not interested in. They're only interested in birth. Just compare the number of abortion facilities to the number of crisis pregnancy centers, and and look at how the crisis pregnancy centers actually take care of people in need. Right, mm-hmm. so they take these uh, these pregnant mothers in, and they arrange for free or reduced cost medical care and job placement, and give them a place to live. And right, there, there's they they pour out tons of charity upon people mm-hmm. so that they actually have the means to bring the baby into the world instead of instead of the alternative so that they can actually accomplish it because they care about the child being born and cared for. They actually do. So then just compare the number of, of these, uh, uh, call them crisis pregnancy organizations, compare that to the number of abortion, uh, abortion procedure facilities. And it's not even close, mm. right? It's not even close. And all these crisis pregnancy things, they're all, they're all funded by, by largely by Christians and totally privately. So, yeah. right, so and the volunteers who yes. work there are Christians. I think all of that's a say, uh, I want to, I don't want to dominate and I'll definitely yeah. get you on this. So please hang on to that yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say to that, to kind of, um, bring it back to the principle of like, mm-hmm. why we're we even talking about any of these, yeah. this stuff is that uh, that perception that Christians are supposed to live and act and do and be a certain way, mm-hmm. and um, for several reasons, right? So I'm kind of I kind of have this whole time been assuming the best of uh, my interlocutor, like yeah, yeah. of the of the other side, yeah. mm-hmm. in that that they genuinely want Christians to act according to the prescribed. Um, their beliefs right. are, are in theory supposed to be according to the Bible mm-hmm. um, and not just wanting us to conform to whatever political agenda mm-hmm. it is. Unfortunately, I do think it is that yeah. most of the time. Um, however, uh, I do think that that stereotype and that prejudice that we have been talking about is real. And I think Christians should do something about it. So yeah, that, there's a perception that that's we're not supposed to, say to act that a certain way. You're a thousand percent right. So it's not to say Christians are doing fine. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Like, here's, here's the difficult part is we need to reflect Jesus to the world and then expect the world to hate us and not get it. Mm. They did it to Jesus, right? Yeah. Right. So again, <laughs> I'll make the point again, but it took yeah. the religious elite and the political elite to team up to get rid of this guy. And he's the only person who ever has been without sin. So you take the greatest, uh, the greatest person who's ever lived. And they were, they were real able. I mean, before he was even like by his 30th birthday <laughs> roundabout, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But before he was 40, before he was 40, a man who's never committed any wrong in thought or in deed was able to get the most, uh, the most powerful political body on the planet and most powerful local religious authority or something like that to gang up to make sure that he got executed like yeah. summarily and with sham trials and all of that, right? So 
the reason I say any of that is as a church, like where do we find the balance? We cannot, we cannot base whether or not we are, whether or not our social activity is appropriate or sufficient. We can't judge that based on how the world thinks about us, feels about us, or our reputation mm-hmm. with lost people because we know what makes them cheer, right? I do, mm-hmm. Right here. <laughs> Your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. <laughs> yeah. So they, we can't allow their opinion of us to be the, to, to be our guiding light. However, that, that doesn't mean that, we, that we should reject their input because I think you're right, Jacob. They are saying something when they, when they go, listen, you seem to be spouting a whole lot of this and you're living a whole lot of this. Like that those things need to be in alignment. I think the world is right when they recognize there should be something different about Christians. And when there isn't, then we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we live in that space where we take <laughs> where we take criticism seriously, but yeah. but the world's opinion of us is not actually is not the thing that guides our that guides our behavior? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we'll we'll definitely talk more about that mm-hmm. of the how and inaugurated eschatology, yeah, if good. you will, yeah. in part two. Um, but definitely, uh, let's get you in on this as well. Uh, any thoughts on yep. everything we've been saying and anything you want to add to the conversation? I, yeah, I have a ton of. Branches that flow in way different directions. Yeah. Um, I think one that's actually worth adding in, um, is back to the example of Venta. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause for my mind, this makes it like so clear. Um, so imagine, uh, going out and just finding a random person and trying to share the gospel with that person. Mm-hmm. Like that encounter alone is your, the extent of your relationship mm-hmm. and relating to that person. Um, and now imagine instead um, housing a person mm-hmm. for a month, mm. letting them live in your house rent-free, letting them um, call that their home, mm-hmm. letting them uh, just like, it, it's tough because we know Benta, so we know that just like living with Benta must mm-hmm. be the best thing in the world because <laughs> she's the most awesome person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if Grace could leave me for Benta, she totally would. Uh, yeah, I totally oh, get it. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Grace is I'd leave my Benta. family for Benta. <laughs> um, we love you, Benta. Yeah. <laughs> so, Benta is just like the kindness and hospitality that like uh, Christians should strive for. Mm-hmm. Like she embodies all of those things. Yeah. Um, so like obviously, I just imagine someone who's housed by Benta would like um, just be like so blessed every single day and mm-hmm. be encouraged and probably get free food all the time because I know I get free food from Benta and I don't even live with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so just all of these things. And like now how much um, more clearly the ultimate thing that we want to do, which is share the gospel with these people. Um, and like, yeah, just how much more clearly that can be conveyed with that relationship that's mm-hmm. in place. So like whether it's um, social action where we're actually meeting the... Um, the oppressed or the lowly or the those in need where they're at and um, supplying that need however we can. Mm-hmm. Or if it's social action um, where we see injustice or like systematic wrongness in the world. Yeah. Um, like those are our opportunities to partner with people for a good cause um, and for them to actually see our Christian like goodness mm. um in ways that make sense sense to them mm-hmm. um and then just i don't know i, can, <laughs> I think that's the salt and light so, stuff i yeah, think that's the salt so and light clearly. stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and i think 
I think it is the salt and life, life, life stuff as well. So well, I, Jesus goes I on to say, do not hide your good deeds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and how else will they see them if you don't show up at the things that they're already doing? Right. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. We should make movies about all the good things we do <laughs> and put them on YouTube. That's how we'll... That's how we'll do it. Maybe a little too far, Cam. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right the point you is. just pulled the rabbit right out of the hat of I the know, new project coming up. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Saw, <laughs> this episode brought to you by right. <laughs> LeBron James. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it here. So I think uh, mostly what we covered is this kind of issue of the stereotype and providing a a good basis for, yeah, Christians need to Mm -hmm. be um, involved in social action. We are not called to be apathetic to the things happening in this world. And I think that's a, yeah, as, uh, anybody who's watching, anybody who may have be tuning in and experiencing this podcast, uh, we encourage you to tune in to part two after this one next week. Mm to hear more about more theological foundations of what we're doing in this world, what the actual mission is for the church in this world. And well, how can we do that? What does that mm. actually look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus mm, in this yeah. world? And yeah, how do we meet that end uh, for preaching the gospel and restoring the community? Yeah. So uh, thank you for watching. I appreciate you guys tuning in to hear about our thoughts about uh, very deeply contentious issues, very hot button, fiery, uh, debatable issues. Um, but there's an answer to it. There's, we have a basis in scripture to be a part of the solution and not cause more contention and more mm-hmm. division. Mm-hmm. So please tune in next week as we continue the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to Word First Radio. If you like the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. If you want to learn more about Word First and how you can support the ministry spiritually and financially, check us out at wordfirst.us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Word First Radio, and we'll see you again next week. God bless. God bless.